let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Rev. Richard C. Whitcomb. It was a beautiful starry night on March 24, 1989 in Alaska, USA. The Exxon Valdez oil tanker was cruising through the frigid waters of the Prince William Sound on its way to deliver a load of crude oil to Long Beach, California. The night seemed peaceful and serene, so Captain Joe Hazelwood handed control of the ship to the third mate and went to his bed to sleep. But the peaceful atmosphere was soon shattered. Shortly after midnight, the Exxon Valdez ran aground when it hit the Bly Reef. The collision ripped a hole in the side of the tanker, releasing millions of gallons of crude oil directly into the water of Prince William Sound. And suddenly, the beautiful and calm waters became a mess. Over the next few days, over 11 million gallons of crude oil dumped into the water. It spread quickly to shore and covered everything with a slimy, dirty, oily mess. Eventually, the oil spread to cover 28,000 square kilometers of ocean and 2,100 kilometers of shoreline. Hundreds of thousands of seabirds, otters, fish, and seals were killed by the oil. The entire region was affected by the mess. Economic activity, family life, and daily routines were disrupted. The Exxon Valdez mess is one of history's worst human-caused environmental disasters. Today, more than 34 years after the accident, there is still oil on the shores of Prince William Sound from the Exxon Valdez disaster. It's the mess that won't go away. It's the mess that can't be cleaned up. It's the mess that destroys lives and property and hope. It's a mess. Have you ever made a mess in your life? I hope you don't have a mess as messy as the Exxon Valdez mess, but one thing I know in life, sometimes when life gets messed up, it can seem worse than the world's worst environmental disaster. Sometimes it can seem that the mess just keeps spreading and cannot be contained. It's sticky, it's dirty, it's oily, it's damaging, and before you know what happened, your mess is out of control and destroying your life. The fact is we all have messes in our lives. You may be in a mess right now. You may be just coming out of a mess or your next mess may be coming up any day now. No matter who you are or how good you appear, everyone everywhere has experienced a mess at some time in life. And sadly, our reaction to the mess often makes it worse. We try covering it up, but eventually it gets too big to hide. We try running away, but then we find that the mess isn't in a place. The mess is inside of us. The fact is, in order to fix the mess, we have to get to the root of the mess and solve it once and for all. And the only way to do that is to address the mess. 
So let's do that today. Let's begin today to find the cause of our mess and then let's find the solution. But before we go further, let's bow our heads and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we thank you today that you know every detail about our lives. You know the mess we've made of things. You know the mess we're in now and the mess that's coming up. And we know you have the solution. So come and speak to our hearts today. Move upon our lives today. Give us solutions today that we might clean up the mess. Help us to get to the root cause of the troubles in our lives so we can bring them to you for solution. We submit to you now, we bind every voice of the devil that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit, the power to come and speak to us and change us by your grace. We thank you now in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. I want to invite you guys to take a moment and join your faith with me right now. Put your hand on your chest and pray after me. Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Truth For Today. It's great to have you with me as we begin a new sermon series called Address the Mess. Over the next four weeks, I'm going to help you with the mess in your life. We're going to find out where the mess came from and how to keep from messing up your life. For the fact is we all have messes. Some of you made a mess. Some of you are married to a mess. Some of you are the parent of a mess. Some of you have been dragged into somebody else's mess. Tell your neighbor he's talking about me. But whatever your mess and however it happened, Jesus can help you address the mess because Jesus is the great fixer. So let's begin today by addressing the mess in the mirror. See, the fact is, before we can solve the problems of the world, before we can sort out other people's messes, we have to solve our own mess. We have to get to the root of our own problems first. And to help us do that, we've prepared sermon notes. The sermon notes are available free for you to download from my website and my social media pages. We prepare these every week so you can follow along and take the Word of God home and study it later on. And so today, let's begin by addressing the three things we need to know about the mess in the mirror. And there at the top of your notes, you'll find our scripture text for today. It's found in the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 7, verses 1 to 5. Now receive the word of the Lord. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart today in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. In these words of Jesus, we find the starting point for the solution to our mess. Jesus gives us the truth straight up. He lets us know that we all have a mess in our lives. You have a log in your eye, Jesus says, and he clearly tells us that the way to address the mess is to address the mess in the mirror. In order to solve problems, you have to first solve them inside yourself. 
So that's what we're going to do today. Address the mess in the mirror. Get the log out of our eyes. Solve your problem. And when we do, it will solve our problem with God and with others. For when you address the mess in your own life, it helps you get along with everybody else. So today, let me share with you three truths to address the mess in the mirror. And here's your first truth today. I am a mess. Just say that after me. I am a mess. Now, friend, I hate to tell you this, but the fact is you are a mess. Please don't be offended when I say that. I'm not putting myself above you. Without Jesus Christ, I also am a mess. I'm not insulting you. I'm not criticizing you or condemning you. I'm not saying that you are not valuable. I'm not saying that you are not wonderful. I acknowledge the beautiful divine masterpiece that God has created inside of you. Somebody say amen. But the fact that God created you and the fact that God loves you doesn't change the fact that you made a a mess of your life and you can't fix the mess if you don't address the mess. If you don't acknowledge you have a problem, you won't seek a solution. Ignoring bad news doesn't change the truth. You can't go to the doctor and he diagnoses you and then you get angry with him for the diagnosis you didn't like. You rather take his advice and seek the solution. So don't get angry with me when I diagnose you with mess syndrome. But the fact is, I'm only repeating what God says. And God says, you're a mess. You messed up. You've made a mess of your life. That's what the Bible tells us in Romans 3, 19 to 20 and 23. Listen carefully. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given. For its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. In other words, in simple language, God says we've all made a mess of our lives. Maybe you're watching or listening today and you have a relationship mess in your life. You're separated from your husband or you're having an affair with a married man or you're in the middle of a family feud that threatens to destroy everyone. Maybe you're here today and you're in the middle of a financial mess. You borrowed money and you can't pay it back and the money lenders are after you. You took something from your working place and you intended to bring it back later, but now the item is missing and you don't know what to do. You bought land and found out it wasn't genuine. You started a company and you can't pay the workers. You're in a mess. Maybe you're here today and you're in a mess that is a habit mess. A pastime has become a pathway. What started out as a small pleasure has become a life controlling power. You drink too much. You play too much. You shop too much. Maybe for you it started by watching movies. Then you started watching pornography. And now you're addicted and the mess is destroying your marriage. It's destroying your mind. It's consuming you and taking you away from God. And the fact is, friends, God's standard is much higher than ours. If you think, well, I'm doing okay, I'm better than my friend Kofi, consider what the Bible says is required of you today. God says you are never allowed to think a thought of lust. You are never allowed to have critical, judgmental thoughts of others. 
others. No lie is ever allowed. No pride is ever allowed. No laziness is allowed in the kingdom of God. No idle word, no wasted moment, no selfish attitudes are allowed in God's kingdom. His standard is perfection. His standard is purity. And not a single one of us can attain to it. Even if you keep all of God's commandments but break only one, you're guilty of everything. For God says in James 2.10, for the person who keeps all, all, pata pata, all of the laws except one is as guilty as a person who's broken all of God's laws. The fact is, no matter how hard we try, we all have a mess. No matter how good we look, we all fall short. Even if you are perfect in your outward conduct and appearance, the Bible says that God looks at your heart. For 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. He knows every thought. He knows every word. He knows every motive. And that's why even religious people, even church members have messes. For Jesus said in Matthew 23, 27, you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones. Outwardly, you look very righteous to people, but inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. You may be looking good on the outside, but what's on the inside? You may be dressed up on the outside and wearing cologne, but what people don't see is the mess on the inside. What we don't see when you come to church is how you fought with your wife on the way to church. You yelled at your kids and you kicked the dog. Your kitchen is a filthy mess and I don't even want to talk about the condition of your toilet. We all have a mess we need to address. The mess is called sin. So how do we react to this mess? How do we fix the mess in the mirror? Well, most of us do the wrong thing. We justify our mess by saying, well, nobody's perfect, and that's true. But here's what you need to realize today when you say nobody's perfect. You're acknowledging that there is a perfect that nobody is. There's a perfect that you are not. There's a standard you know we should attain to, but we don't. There's a level of behavior that is right and good, but none of us achieve it. Nobody's perfect means we know what perfection looks like, and we don't see it in others. We know what perfection is required from God, and we don't see it in ourselves. We don't see it when we look in the mirror. So we try to make ourselves feel better by comparing ourselves to others. Well, at least I'm better than him. At least I'm not like her. The fact is there's always somebody with a bigger mess than yours. So we look at his mess or her mess and we sigh a sigh of relief and we think to ourselves, thank God I'm not as bad as Kofi. Thank God I'm not as bad as Amma. Thank God I'm not as bad as those people over there. But being less 
messy than your neighbor doesn't fix your mess. It only makes you feel better about your mess. And comparing yourselves to others is a two-way street. For though you may feel good when you compare to the losers around you, you can at the same time feel defeated and depressed because there's always somebody who looks better than you. So you live in a constant state of anxiety. You're never good enough, never meeting up, never coming out on top. And so you try the next step. You try to cover up your mess. You try to pretend it's not there. And for many people, the way to address the mess is to make the mess look good. We become experts at appearances. We buy fast cars and flashy clothes and fine homes to distract from the mess in our lives. We have surgery to fix it up, makeup to cover it, and fashion to overshadow it. We earn Degrees. We earn titles, we fight for position, we exercise power, and it's all in an attempt to distract from the inner mess inside you. But at the end of the day, you're still a mess. Because the fact is, I can't fix my mess. And that's the second truth today. I, I can't fix my mess. A lot of our lives is spent trying to fix the mess we've made. We try counseling. We read self-help books. We try meditation and prayer and talk. We try going to prayer camps. We listen to talk show advice. We lash out and speak out and cry out and act out. But it doesn't change us because the problem runs deeper. It's bigger than us. And the fact is you can't fix your mess by pretending it's not there. Proverbs 28.13 says, People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. And every one of us today, every one of us needs to acknowledge we have a mess inside that we must address, but we can't fix it on our own. When I was in Nigeria many years ago, I heard the terrible story of a pastor in a nearby region. This pastor was sent to pastor a village church, but he had a mess inside of his life. He had a lust in his heart he couldn't control. So when he got to the church and began to pastor, he committed fornication. He messed up and impregnated one of the young ladies in the choir. Rather than address the mess inside, the pastor ran away from that village and went to a second village. He started pastoring another church, but before long he messed up and committed fornication and impregnated a young lady in the choir. But rather than address the mess, he ran from that village and went to a third village, and once again he messed up, committed fornication, and impregnated a third choir member in a third church. He left there and went to church number four, and the same thing happened again. He messed up and got four people pregnant. Then he went to the fifth village and he messed up again. The last I heard, he'd pastored five churches in five villages and had impregnated five different choir members in each village. Hey! He refused to address the mess because the mess was inside of him. And sadly, when we don't address our mess, the problem of our mess spills out into every area of our lives. Like the Exxon Valdez, it just keeps spreading. When we cover our mess and don't address it, our mess will separate us from God and separate us from the ones we love. It makes us miserable. It's what starts wars, 
causes divorce, breaks hearts, and ruins lives. In fact, when you think about it, mass is our common ground. Mass is our human condition. My father was a mess. My grandfather was a mess. Even great men in history that we look up to had personal messes. Nelson Mandela was an African hero. I admire him. He liberated his nation. Yet his marriage to his wife, Winnie, was a mess that ended in divorce. For the fact is, even great men and women of courage, great men in history, were a mess in some part of their private lives. For mess is part of the human condition. It's what the Bible calls sin, sin nature. We all have it. We're all sinners. And yet, even though mess is our common ground, that mess in our lives often divides us instead of bringing us together. We seem to take delight in someone else's mess being bigger than ours. That's why we like to listen to news and gossip. We like to look at social media and see how other people have fallen. It helps us minimize our mess and maximize someone else's mess. Then we get proud. We get hateful. We get bitter. But here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. You cannot fix your mess by blaming other people. Galatians 6.5 says, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. That's why Jesus says in our text today, the answer isn't trying to fix your neighbor. The answer is not trying to get the speck out of his eye. It's fixing yourself. Don't try to take the speck out of your wife's eye when there's a log in your eye, husband. Hello? You can't help someone else till you find the solution to your own mess. This fact reminds me of the story of a woman who was flying from Accra to London. She went to the airport to to catch her flight to London, but the flight was delayed. So she decided to go to the shop in the airport and buy some plantain chips as a snack and to buy a newspaper to read. She got the plantain chips, she got the newspaper, and went down and sat down. She put her handbag and everything down on the table next to her chair and started reading the newspaper, waiting for her flight to board. As she was reading the newspaper, out of the corner of her eye, she saw a gentleman come and sit next to her. And before she knew what had happened, to her shock, he had reached over and opened the bag of plantain chips and started eating them. (laughs) This made the lady furious. What was this man doing? He was eating her plantain chips. Well... She was very unhappy, but she didn't want to cause trouble or make a seed. So she decided just to ignore him. But then she thought, I better eat those plantain chips before he eats them all. So she reached over and started eating them. And as she grabbed one and put it in her mouth, she turned to the man and looked at him and gave him a very mean look. She glared at the man and made mean faces, hoping to shame him so that he would stop eating her chips. Unfortunately, the man didn't stop. She would eat one and glare at the man, and he would take one and eat it. This went on until there was only one plantain chip left. Now she wondered, what will this thief do? The man smiled, picked up the plantain chip, broke it in half, and gave her one. She grabbed the half a plantain chip, put it in her mouth, and thought, what a thief! What a horrible monster! Eventually, her flight was called. She grabbed her handbag. She grabbed her newspaper. She turned and gave the man one more mean look. 
And then she marched off onto the plane. She settled in her seat. She put her handbag down. She put her newspaper down. And then as she was rumbling through her things, she opened her handbag to get a tissue, and she discovered there inside her handbag was a full bag of plantain chips. The plantain chips she had bought were in her purse, which means that the plantain chips on the table were not hers. And suddenly she realized the man himself had bought his own bag of plantain chips and he was eating them and she had been stealing from him. He was not the thief. She was. Hey, Abba. That's why Romans 2, 1 and 3 says, You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the same things. Hey! So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? That's why Jesus said, He who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. You can't fix your mess by ignoring it. You can't fix your mess by blaming others. You can't fix your mess by trying harder or doing better. Remember the story of the Exxon Valdez oil spill I told you at the start of the sermon? Well, the oil spill wasn't the only mess that the company Exxon made of the situation. Sadly, when the oil giant Exxon tried to clean up the mess from their oil spill, they actually made things worse. In order to pick up the oil from the ocean, they sprayed a chemical through the waters of the Puget Sound to try to trap the oil so they could remove it from the water. But later on, they discovered that the chemical they used to clean up the oil mess caused cancer in human beings. All of the workers and even the people living in the surrounding villages were exposed to a cancer-causing chemical. So not only did Exxon pollute the water and kill the wildlife, they poisoned people when they tried to clean up the mess. Their best efforts fell short, and they caused even greater harm. And that's exactly what happens to us when we try in our own strength to fix our own mess. No matter how hard we try or what means we use, we human beings are incapable of solving our own problems. We can put man on the moon, but we cannot erase our sin. We can create technology that transforms our lives, but we can't transform our own hearts. For the Bible says in Jeremiah 13, 23, can an Ethiopian change the color? of his skin? Can a leopard take away its spots? Neither can you start doing good, for you have always done evil. All my attempts to fix my mess fall short. I may look better than my neighbor. I may look good to other people. I may try to look good to myself by reassuring myself that everybody is a mess, but there's a voice inside of me, and there's a voice inside of you telling you you're wrong. It's your conscience. It's God speaking to you. It's why you feel afraid. It's why you feel lonely. It's why you feel guilty. It's why you feel ashamed. Because I know I'm a mess. And I know I messed up. And I know there's nothing I can do to fix it. So how do we address the mess in the mirror? That brings us to our third truth today. Jesus solves my mess. 
The good news for every one of us today is that Jesus is the answer. For the Bible says in Romans 3.22, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. It's true for everyone, whether you're rich or poor, black or white, famous or not famous, literate or illiterate, no matter how big your mess, when you believe in Jesus, you are made right with God. He comes in to clean up the mess and put us on the right path for life. That's why Jesus came to earth. The mess that is common to all of us is the mess that brought God near to us. He came to save us from our mess and to give us the way out. For John 3:17 says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. See, Jesus loves the world and he loves you. He loves all of us. He loves the messy and not because being messy is good, but he loves us in spite of our mess. He didn't come to judge our mess. He came to fix our mess and his solution to fix our mess is to follow him. That's why he spoke these words in John 8, 12. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, somebody say, follow me. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. In other words, if you follow Jesus, you won't have to be a mess any longer. You can follow Jesus out of your mess. Hear me well today. Jesus never asked people to clean up their mess before they came to him. He always told people, follow me. For as you follow Jesus, you will walk out of your mess and walk into a new life. That's the message Jesus always gave to messy people. To all the messy people, Jesus said, follow me. To the woman caught in adultery, Jesus said, look at me, I don't condemn you, I forgive you. I offer you a way out of your mess. Leave your sin and follow me. To the tax collector called Zacchaeus, Jesus said, come down to me, I'm coming to your house. Let's clean up your mess. To the Samaritan woman at the well, Jesus said, come close to me. I'll give you living water and quench the thirst in your soul. To the thief on the cross, Jesus said, come with me. I'll take you out of this mess and let you be with me. To all the messy people everywhere, Jesus said, follow me. And to all the messy people here today, Jesus says, follow me. If you'll follow me, I will fix your mess. For you see, the truth is, if you walked your way into a mess, you need to follow Jesus and walk your way out. You cannot pray your way out of every problem you walked into. I believe in prayer. We need prayer. We need more prayer. Prayer is good, and God is good, and God is our only hope. But God is not a service repairman who comes when we call him and then leaves us alone. He's not an auto mechanic who walks in and fixes your car and then sends you on your way on your own. If you walked your way into a mess, you need to follow Jesus and walk your way out. That's what happened to me. Just like you, my life was a mess. I was using drugs. I was smoking marijuana. 
I was drinking too much. I was ruining my life. I was miserable, depressed, guilty. My life was full of sin and shame. My life was a mess. And I had walked into the mess by my choices. And it looked to me like there was no way out. But then one day I found Jesus. He called me to follow him. I'd been in church all my life, but I had never known Jesus as my Lord and Savior. But he gave me a second chance. He offered me forgiveness from sin and freedom from my mess. So I got up and I followed Jesus. I surrendered my life to him. I followed him out of my mess and into a new life. And the same thing can happen to you today. No matter what your mess, no matter how bad it is, you can be delivered if you will follow Jesus. If you know you've messed up, but you want to be free, follow Jesus. If you know you walked your way into a mess by wrong choices, then follow Jesus and walk your way out. Jesus invites you to do that today. You can do that by simply following four simple steps. Number one, confess. Confess to God, I made a mess. I've sinned. There may be demonic forces at work. There may be family problems, but I made choices and I messed up. Don't excuse yourself. Confess. Number two, repent. Tell the Lord, I want out of this mess. I'm sorry. I want to change. I walked into it. Now I want to walk out of it as I follow you. Believe. Believe that Jesus can deliver you from your mess. Believe that he can forgive your sins and receive him. Say, Jesus, come into my life and turn my mess into a message. If you want to follow Jesus, now is your time. Today is your day. All you need to do is respond to him right now, and he will lead you out of your mess. So I invite you to pray with me. I'm going to pray, and I ask you to repeat the words of the prayer as I pray them. Open your heart by faith to God. Bow your head and say, Dear God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I ask you to save me today. I confess that I've sinned against you. I'm not worthy to be called your child. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that he died on the cross and rose from the dead so that I might be saved. I ask you to come into my heart now by the power of the Holy Spirit and make me born again. I give my life to you and promise to obey you and follow you. Save me from sin. Deliver me from the devil. Heal me. Fill me. I thank you now by faith. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God richly bless you. If you prayed that prayer with me today, I want to connect with you. I urge you to contact me today and say, Pastor, I have prayed the prayer with you and I am following Jesus to walk my way out of the mess. You can contact me through WhatsApp. The number for my WhatsApp is on your screen. Write it down, put it in your phone. Send me a message, say, Pastor, pray for me. Or you can contact me by email at pastor.whitcomb at agapehousegana.org or give me a direct message on Facebook, 
Twitter, or Instagram. I look forward to hearing from you so that I can continue to pray for you and bless you. Thank you for joining me today. Be sure to share this sermon with your family and friends and invite them to join us next week for part two of Address the Mess. Until then, may God in his love be with you. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, we will like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.